0: Welcome to Unbroken Jars. I'm Doug. And I'm Randy. And this is a podcast where we explore individuals' real-life stories in real faith. You're listening to Unbroken Jars, episode 23, Life as Mission. The light of Jesus shines through the darkness, and we carry this light in unbroken jars of clay. We have a life and a story about our faith journey, but we're not struck down or destroyed. Our stories shine the light on Jesus and his power. Our faith walk has forever been shaped by the life of one man. That's Jesus. Jesus continues to use these real-life stories of those around us to mold us. We dive into this world by investigating, interviewing, and walking alongside real people who share their stories. Their faith stories of struggle, sin, joy, and victory. And how God is leading them will help shape your faith journey in unbroken jars of clay.
1: As we continue to look at the lives of men and women who are intentionally allowing their everyday lives, occupations, and or hobbies to intersect with their faith, we're really excited today to be able to bring in Rob Touchstone. Uh, My connection with Rob takes me back quite a while. I was blessed to serve on staff with Rob at the Mayfair Church here in Huntsville before he moved to Nashville, Tennessee, where he and his family now call home. Uh, Rob founded and has been serving as director of the Center for Business as Mission at Lipscomb University's College of Business. He will be creating and directing a brand new center for vocational discovery at Lipscomb, effective June 1. For the past two years, he's been preaching part-time for Christ's Family Church in Nolensville, Tennessee. He also co-founded the Well Coffee House in Nashville and has led a missional church that had gathered pre-COVID there in one of its six locations. It's great to welcome you to Unbroken Jars, Rob.
2: Thanks so much, Randy and Doug. It is such a pleasure to be with you.
0: Yeah, we appreciate you joining us. I I was thinking back, Rob, strangely enough, I was thinking back to Lipscomb, uh, and I got in a a drama group, and I remember when I walked in the drama group, um, everybody was talking about, Rob and Amy, Rob and Amy. And I'm like, who is Rob and Amy? (laughs) And it's funny, you know, over the years, we've kind of crossed paths at different points and uh, been able to get to know one another as well. But uh, not everyone necessarily listening to this will know even though diana gill when i was walking in here she said, you make sure to tell rob yes and I, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I said hello she didn't say it in quite i said hello she didn't say it in quite that voice but, but 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 nonetheless uh can you tell can you tell everybody uh listening kind of where you're from originally a little bit about your family and and, and growing up life wife and children those things yeah.
2: Yeah, and you know what they really said, Doug, it wasn't Rob and Amy, it was Amy and Rob. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's get that straight, right? Yeah, that that probably
0: um, is the truth. That probably is. My memory's not that good.
2: <laughs> oh me. No, I grew up in Atlanta, so that's home for me. Uh big Braves fan, go Braves. Yeah, go Braves. Um uh, it's been a good year. Well, maybe not this current season, I but uh, coming off pretty, pretty good season last yeah, year. That's, that's um But, uh, so I, I still call Atlanta home. That's where my extended family lives, but, uh, growing up, we lived in Johnson city, Tennessee. And then my dad's job also took us all the way up to Baltimore, Maryland. So I actually graduated from high school, believe it or not in a suburb of Baltimore, uh, Air, Maryland. And then of course, uh, have lived in Huntsville and now Nashville. So I've been around a little bit and, um, I grew up uh, primarily in Marietta, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, where uh, where I was raised. So I've been around the block. Yeah.
1: And tell us about your family, uh, Rob, about Amy and the kiddos.
2: So Amy and I met at Lipscomb, and uh, we were here uh, in the late 90s. And uh, we got married right after we graduated. And then I came down uh, to work at uh, Mayfair in Huntsville. And we have four kids, believe it or not, ranging from ages 4 to 20. So we have a 4-year-old, 7-year-old, 17-year-old, and a 20-year-old. So we have each stage of adolescence covered at the moment <laughs> and enjoying every mercy. moment of it. So oh so, so Doug
1: and I were talking earlier. This is not scripted or anything. Because So Doug and I were talking earlier. We're we, I read all your information about what you're involved in and have been involved in. And then I was thinking about the family life, too. I'm thinking... This guy's got to be Superman. He's balancing all this stuff, but I think it's because you've got such a great wife as well, with Amy. <laughs> is that? I think you said like this.
2: I said. A- it's always Amy and Rob. <laughs> Amy is uh, <laughs> holds it together. She is certainly a super mom, and uh, so I'm so blessed and so grateful. And by the way, we're about to celebrate our 25th. Anniversary in August.
1: Oh, uh, congratulations. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was going to say,
0: it sounds like the more activities you have, the busyness that you do have, it sounds like a smart plan to me is like, stay out of the house. So <laughs> with all those children, uh, especially man, going back to four, you brave soul. Um,
2: it's, it's been a wild ride and, ooh. uh, it's been fun. One of my kids, my oldest who was actually born in Huntsville, uh, Anna is a student here at lipscomb and i've actually had her in two of the classes that i teach here at lipscomb so i've been her dad and her professor at the same time uh over the last couple of years and that has been quite <laughs> a fun uh aspect of of my journey
0: is is that sarcasm uh, i i i i find and, it, 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 it i find
1: it's it very actually interesting not.
2: yeah it's okay. been now now when my uh currently uh current 17 year old gets to lips it might that might turn to sarcasm but for anna with anna it's
1: been really uh
2: no sarcasm whatsoever it's been so much fun uh she made it easy i didn't have to worry so much about uh her grades or attendance oh, <laughs> so yeah. she she did great um with my 17 year old maybe a little more uh adventurous All
1: right okay well listen rob i you know i mentioned earlier and you've mentioned just now you know we we originally connected through your work here as youth minister, but also not in in Huntsville, but also in Nashville. I know we've, I've, I've leaned into you a couple of different times about advice for different things and conversations. But could you share, you know, how you made the transition from ministry to teens and families in a church setting, to ministry to adults in a coffee shop setting? Like, can you kind of share a little bit about your journey uh, through that?
2: Yeah. So, Randy, as you mentioned. Um... I had the blessing of serving in youth ministry for 16 years, and during that time, I was feeling a pull, uh, a call, you might say, to do something a little bit different, and the something I was feeling was uh, to do something outside of the sort of formal traditional walls of the church building, and so the, the pull I was feeling was to try to reach into the lives of people who might not walk into our church buildings and obviously i love the church i still work uh part-time for the church as a as a preaching minister but i I felt like something was missing in our ways of trying to reach out or sort of our uh traditional model of evangelism or outreach seemed to me um That we were falling short, at least in the idea that we were expecting people to come into the walls of our church buildings most of the time. Not that we didn't oftentimes go out, of course, on mission trips or service projects, but I wanted to try to find a way to create relational space in the day to day uh, for people that wouldn't normally come into a a church building or to a religious setting. And so the way this began was. I was in a grad class with Earl Lavender um, at Lipscomb mm-hmm. and we were tasked with writing a paper for what a missional community might look like outside the church building. And so I wrote this paper that uh, was about a coffee house and how a coffee house could be used to break down the walls um, for, you know, as, a, as to create space for people that might not again come into a, a, a religious space and then how a, a business model might could be used to, to help create solutions toward um, some form of crises in the world. And so to test that out, well, first of all, I started writing this paper and it it just kind of got a hold of me. Now you're doing something sometimes out of an obligation, which, you know, it was something that I had to do for a class, but then it turns into something far more. Well, that's what happened. It all of a sudden kind of got a hold of me in a way Mm -hmm. that I thought I now feel like I'm supposed to do this. In fact, I almost felt like I have to do this. I don't know how, Mm. but I feel like I have to do this. And so that was in 2009, I believe. And I didn't know exactly what to do with that feeling that I had, this overwhelming feel that I was supposed to pursue this thing. But I started testing it out a little bit. I talked to a lot of people about the idea. In fact, because I had to write it as a paper, I had something tangible I could give people to read. And I started getting a lot of good feedback. People said, wow, if you did this, I think it could really work. And, yeah. and the, this I'm talking about again was just a, a coffee house that would um, create relational space to love people toward Jesus and then to use the business model to give profit away to address uh, causes that could be um, a sustainable way of, of making a difference. And so then I started to test it further, not just by letting people read it, but I, I decided to make an intentional um, move outside of my church office. This is while I was still in youth ministry, mm-hmm. and I started having a lot of my meetings and Bible studies, specifically my teenage uh, student Bible studies, with um, my students down the street at Starbucks. And so, twice a week after school, um, I would meet my students for a couple hours after school at Starbucks. And I just did a lot of observing, like what happens when you meet in here as opposed to the more formal religious space of the church building or my church office or our youth group area. And I just started to notice how many walls crumbled by Mm -hmm. just being in a different space. And so I realized, you know, this sort of hypothesis that space really does matter um, really could be validated. And I started to see how many opportunities there were out in a marketplace to engage with people who who didn't maybe share the same faith that we did. We started interacting with the baristas. We had people that would just be in the stores who would come over to us and say, I see that you guys are praying. Would you mind praying over me? We had people who would Mm -hmm. overhear things that we would say in our conversations who would um, become curious. And so it kind of, again, validated this hypothesis that by doing things in a relational space, such as a coffee house. We could open up some doors to love people toward Jesus a little more fully. And so that idea began to take root more fully on what if we created an intentional space? Starbucks is great, but what if we created our own space that wasn't overtly religious, but was deeply Christian at the core? Um, And by overtly religious, I mean create a space that wasn't designed just for Christians to come into, but that actually would be a barrier breaker in a sense that people might walk in and not see you know religious things all over the walls or even necessarily have christian music playing but instead be a place where they would immediately feel like this is a place where i could come and stay a while and hang out
0: sure at
2: the, at the core though of course we you know our, our christian faith was that we wanted to we wanted to meet people relationally in that space and then love them toward jesus and so that became the idea behind what eventually became the well coffee house And so the journey was from youth ministry for me, testing this idea out to then, um, uh, soon into that, left my role in youth ministry and started to pursue this uh, more fully by planting churches inside uh, inside our coffee houses. And so these churches were designed to, again, create relational space, to open up conversations about faith, and then to... To love people toward Jesus. And so that's, um that's what I did all the way up until uh, the pandemic was lead churches that met inside of our stores that uh, were seeking to love people toward Jesus in a very intentional relational way, but not overtly, um, I guess, religious way, at least on the surface. So it wasn't a bait and switch or try to trick people to come in and then, you know, invite them into a Bible study, but it was a way to love people through first a product, uh, try to make a great product and then have customer service that uh, almost begged the question, like, who are you people? Like, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, what do you believe? And so uh, we would have pictures. We still do have pictures on our walls that show what we do with our profit. Uh, we The cause that we decided to address was the water crisis. And so we give right. our profits to fund water wells. And by putting that on our walls, it's not a way of saying, hey, look what we did as the well. It's instead to say, look what you did as the customer. You, by buying coffee here, helped to fund these water wells. And that's been one of the bigger barrier breakers for people who don't necessarily embrace uh, the same faith that we do because it invites them into a bigger story to realize, like, wow, that actually feels good to be a part of something bigger than myself. And and that invitation has tended to open up some really good conversations about a, a bigger story at work. So um, that's a little bit of, uh, there's more to the story, of course, Randy, sure. but that's a little bit about yeah. the journey from youth ministry into uh, how I um, made the move into the world of coffee and coffee house and and missional church.
1: Did you, did you see Rob? I mean, I, I guess initially this was a, not a, this an experiment, but the, you know, this was some, something that had never been done before or you thought was a, a new idea I don't know if you want to share any stories, but can you, how do you feel? Apparently it went very successful because you've got six shops now opened up. But as far as like reaching into the lives of people who were maybe unchurched or maybe non non-believers, how did it, did it make the impact you were praying for?
2: Well, it did feel very experimental, and uh, so that's a good word for it. Experimental was it. It, it yeah. felt like something that was far bigger than what we were capable of doing. Right. I didn't have the business experience or degree, right. and uh, really didn't have the money to do it. And so we built a team of people that had a different, a uh, diverse skill set, and we we found a way to, you know, to pull the capital together through donations and um, and as you said it. it surprisingly, because it was experimental, uh, was successful in the first year. And we weren't Mm -hmm. surprised at what God could do, but we didn't know. We really just didn't ever expect it to grow the way it did. So our faith was probably uh, too small because we, I remember thinking it would just be great if we could break even in this first year, because for us, success wasn't even how much profit we generated. It was, can we create relational space to love people in the stores, to plan a church community? Um, But the store became profitable in its first year and then we had growth opportunities so here we are and uh we're about to celebrate our 10th anniversary of the well and have opened six locations awesome. so it, it's grown and in those uh in those 10 years what we have seen are people uh who would not have walked into church buildings uh come into a relationship with jesus through through the space itself and so sure I could tell you a number of stories. Uh, I'll just give you some kind of surface level um, kind of examples uh, and get into any of the stories you want to for me to elaborate on. But we've seen people uh, who came into the store on the verge of suicide, um, who now are walking in a relationship with Jesus. We've seen people who were atheists, agnostics, people practicing other religions, Um People who had been very hurt and burned mm-hmm. by uh, religion, people who had just gotten out of prison, uh, people who practiced different lifestyles um, that opened themselves up to a relationship with Jesus that would tell you they wouldn't have done so uh, if you just in, if we just invited them to a church building experience. But the coffee shop broke down those barriers and allowed us to love them in a way that, um, that was effective uh, because it was... Uh, it was, it kind of transcended the religious church building experience and said, we're going to, we're going to come out of our church building and we're going to meet you on your turf, on your terms. And we're going to, we're going to meet you there and then love you toward Jesus. And so part of that was letting go of the need to try to fix and to, you know, I think sometimes we, we say like we convert somebody or we played a role in converting somebody, but this was more about loving people toward the Jesus that we believe does the converting and the Holy spirit that we bl- believe does the transforming. And so we let go of the need to be doctrinally correct on things and to say, uh, we're going to fix people or correct people. But instead we said, we're going to love, we're going to meet them where they are and love them toward Jesus right. and trust that Jesus will do the fixing and the spirit will do the transforming. So that's maybe a little more than you asked for, but that's, yeah. that's what we've been seeking to do over the last 10 years and those are just some of the stories from the, the church community. We see all kinds of things unfold. We have a wishing well where people can take care of each other's needs. And so we, people, we've people we seen people come in with tremendous needs that they posted up on our board and another customer would walk in and see that need on the the wishing well board and take care of that need. We've had people That's give cool. vehicles yeah. away. We've had people pay off a student, uh, a student loan where uh, somebody, students student said, I, I can't go back to uh, the next semester, because I have this debt, we've had people help take care of those uh, tuition payments. We've had people help pay off bills. Um, it's been extraordinary to see a way, the way our customers have taken care of one another. And then ultimately, you know, the, the goal in the, the business model has also been to give away a profit, give away our profit to fund water wells. So on a global level, we've seen people impacted who didn't have clean water. So we've, we've been able to fund uh, water wells that have provided clean, clean water for tens of thousands of people around the world. That's, amazing.
0: That's a framework shift, right? I mean, it, ministry still doing ministry, but you know, the church perspective is so much different than that. And it's almost a framework shift back toward <laughs> the Bible you know, strangely, <laughs> strangely enough is letting God do what he does and us just being the conduit for that and being the seed planters that uh, I love that. I cannot help. And I don't know why this image is coming to my mind, but I keep thinking of Forrest Gump. Okay. When he's sitting there talking to the lady and <laughs> she's like, so you just wanted to run and you ran. I, and, and then, you know, now he's got all these followers cause he just went and did something. I feel like that's sort of the calling that came upon you, you know, and you just ran. And you went. <laughs> yeah. And as a part of that, along the way, you had to figure out all these things. You brought in all these different people to help support and offer direction. Um, but you just kind of ran. Um and I
2: well, you know, Doug, I just want to say the Forrest Cup analogy is good um uh, because that, that is how I felt. I mean, I felt like I I feel very inadequate to do any of these things. I still do. And uh, at some point you have to decide to trust that God will work through your inadequacies, through your brokenness, through your, your failures. And so at some point I just decided to run and that's a great way to describe it, to run into this vision. And, you know, I was very tempted to run away from it because, you know, when God asks you to do something that way beyond what you're, what you feel capable of doing, you know, Kind of like Jonah, in the immediate sense, you want to run away from that because out of yeah. fear. Um, but uh, I've been so blessed to see what happens in running toward God's um, invitation to to pursue these kind of things, and you know there have been lots of mistakes and failures along the way, and God just keeps working through through those too. And um, so, yeah, I love that analogy, Doug. Thanks for thanks for highlighting the the. Really, the invitation that is just to, to say yes and to run toward.
0: Yeah. Oh, I, I I I love it. Like I said, I I think that that's what this podcast is all about, and that's that's sort of the framework for even what we say in in every podcast. Is that you know our, our stories are telling are telling about Jesus' life if we share those, mm-hmm. and we get caught up in just doing church and not being a part of it. As as a part of that, as you reflect back on your life and you start looking at things and going. Holy cow, not only was I able to step out, but how this is how God shaped me through that. Can you look back and reflect on 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 through that journey, how God impacted and changed you specifically in your walk?
2: Yeah, I think that, you know, for the longest time I maybe thought of, and we we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, I think I may have thought of ministry in a a bit more of a narrow mindset you know I, yeah. I thought of what i was doing in youth ministry you know as something i was called into and something that you know it took me being on a church staff to do and and i started to maybe recognize uh while god calls some into a, a specific role of ministry say working for a church staff or uh working as a you know minister in Other ways, or starting a nonprofit, or whatever it may be, I started to realize that some of the most amazing things happen in the day to day marketplace or the day to day, what may feel like the mundane, you know, jobs or things that just uh, happen outside the walls of traditional, quote unquote, ministry. And so I think part of what has happened in my journey is that I've broadened my scope or view of what ministry is to believe that in some ways, all people uh, have the opportunity to step into ministry. And what that looks like and means is different for each person. They're gonna be uh, ministerial in their in their day-to-day work by the way that they treat others, by the way that they use their, uh, I like to say steward their opportunities in their day-to-day workplace. And so the big shift for me over the last 10 years is to, to seek to do ministry outside of a formal context of the church, And again, this is not to say in any way that 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 replaces the ministry of the church. But for me, what the shift for me has been to do this through business and to do this in a way that was engaged in loving people through things like uh, making great products and offering great customer service, building out a business model that could try to support something sustainably. Um, For me, that's opened up a new way of thinking and opened up new doors and it's also opened up new opportunities to meet people that I just wouldn't have met by being tucked away in uh, a more religious setting or in a church office. And yeah. so I really love um, what God's been teaching me through this and what I'm still learning. Uh, and, and a big part of that is, is taking the risk to do something that as we already talked about that I knew I wasn't capable of doing on my own. And so I would say that my faith capacity has, has grown Just in in ways that are hard to even describe, but just tremendously because um, God accomplished these things through my inadequacies. There's no way, when I look back at any of this, I don't in any way uh, say, wow, look what I've done, because I know I wasn't gifted or talented enough to do it. God worked through my gifts and talents, but uh, my faith has increased. I think to stepping out and doing things that are beyond yourself, um, I think what God wants to do is to to give you a a faith story so part of it is that you know god could have made it easy and just given us everything we needed at just the right uh in the right time uh which he did give us what we needed but he made it uh he, he offered those things kind of step by step so that we had to take one step and then trust you know kind of reminds me of the israelites in the wilderness you know receiving manna from heaven one day at a time, and then not being able to store it up, but having to wait and trust that God would give it again the next day. And that that's what my journey has felt like. I mean, most days didn't necessarily know where the manna was going to come from. I mean, you knew where it was going to come from, but you didn't know. Um, you know, you just had to trust that God was going to provide this the next day. And just when it felt like it wasn't going to come, God provided. And so God gave us a story along the way of, of faith and trust that um, I think if, If we step out into that, we we shouldn't expect God to make it easy, uh, but for God to invite us into a a faith journey that actually is going to challenge us so that our faith can stretch and grow, because that's really when it happens. It's not like our faith just grows because God said, here, let me give you some faith. (laughs) Faith grows (laughs) because God gives you a challenge and then helps you through that challenge. And so my faith has uh, been challenged and has grown. And so uh, I, I would say the biggest way that's happened is I used to be so afraid of, you know, especially with the well of of things that would cost money. I mean, you look at yeah. the vision for a coffee house, and I know a lot of everything you do costs money, but when it comes to starting a business, I would look at that number on paper and go, there's just no way. Like, I don't have that kind of money. I don't know people who have that kind of money. I don't know how we could get there. And so um, when I look back, I think about how God has helped me to overcome that fear of finding funds or finding money to do something. And it's so much bigger than money. But I remember for me, at least that was one of those barriers that felt impossible to overcome that God just kept surprising us with, with things that shouldn't have been um, where money uh, somehow flowed in to allow us to do the things that we needed to do to, to run this business, to open this business and to run it.
0: Yeah. I think that's, man, that is just, I, I do, I see those barriers with all people and in, in myself as well, especially, you know, we, we, I feel like there, are, that we get, um, use the word callings early, like calling into ministry, but I feel like the Holy Spirit prompts us to do things in our world. And we get this fear factor that I believe is, is probably the voice of Satan telling us, mm-hmm. no, 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 that's going to cost too much. No, no, no! Don't do that. You know you're just not prepared enough for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I love when I hear you say, you know, that God has kind of revealed Himself and 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 shown you through uh, to be faithful to Him. That He's gonna He is gonna provide, um, and He's He's teaching you all these things all along. That's that's what I love about journeys like this. It's like, yes, it's about what's happening out there, but it's also what's happening in here as we just step out. Yeah, as we you know, as the Forrest Gump illustrated, as we go on the run, and you you create bumper stickers and T-shirts and crowds of people, um, and that's all because of an outside force, and that's God. You know, um, it's it's really cool to hear your faith uh, journey along that path.
1: And Rob, you know, um, you hear the words mission and missional. In fact, the title well, I guess your title you've had at Lipscomb included that word business's mission. Um, and with the work that you're doing through the well and your work at Lipscomb, what, what is it, maybe, could, how would you define in your mind, what does it mean to be on mission or missional? What does that, what does those, what those words mean to you?
2: Yeah. So I, I would say this is also an area that I think I've really grown in over the last 10 years and, um, you know, I think I've used and understood the word mission for most of my life on some level, um, but I think I limited it to things in my thinking, like, say, a mission trip um, yeah. or yeah. something, you know, that was kind of programmed, and I've come to understand, and and, and really, I would say some of this has been through um, just taking a deeper theological dive into what, is, what does mission mean to God? Like, what does mission mean throughout the narrative of scripture? And I think the shift I've made is, is better understanding that mission, first and foremost, is it's what God's doing in the world. It's God's activity. Mm-hmm. That while we can say, say, as a company or even as an individual, we have a mission statement. Companies write mission statements. Sometimes we write a personal mission statement. And those can be wonderful and necessary. But I think the shift in my understanding is that that god first and foremost is the primary actor in mission mm-hmm. that god is on mission that god so for me mission is that god is reconciling the world mm-hmm. to himself that god is making all things new and so for me to go a little more to your question Randy about you know what is mission and what does it mean to live missionally for me mission is is what god does missional is the invitation to join what God is doing it's my and and not just mine but anyone's invitation to join in the work that God's already doing you know I used to use language I think probably even with students that I'm not proud of now but I think I would have probably been you know someone who might have said hey we're gonna take Jesus to wherever we're going we're gonna (laughs) you know go on a mission trip we're gonna take Jesus there and and we're gonna um we're going to train you to take Jesus and to study the Bible. And just that language alone kind of betrays that thought because we don't really have to take Jesus anywhere. In fact, Jesus is already working there. So Jesus is already active and alive and doing what he does in these areas where we might say we're going. And so to me, a better way to frame that is that we're going there to join the work that Jesus is already doing. And isn't it amazing that he's invited us to join that there is this invitation from the divine to the human uh in all of our brokenness and weakness he's saying i want you to join me in what i'm doing and and to me that's what missional living is is to say i'm going to choose to join in the work that god is already doing in my day-to-day life so Mm -hmm. for many people that's going to be in their day-to-day workplace so in their office in the conference room it's going to mean uh, in the, the creation of products or in customer service or in noisy, busy places. For some people, that might be um, in a cubicle. For other people, that might be uh, in a faraway place serving uh, some of the poorest people in the world or people serving in a homeless shelter. So this call of God is, is so multifaceted and it means so many things. So it's far more than just a, a trip. Uh, It's far more than saying we're going to take Jesus somewhere. It's joining what Jesus is already doing in the world around us. So for me, I think of uh, mission as it's what God is doing. And then I think about how really what Jesus came to do was to show us what that looks like with skin on. So Jesus Mm -hmm. modeled for us what God's mission looks like. And if you look, again, following the narrative of Scripture, if you look at, at the Gospels, what Jesus was doing, Part of what Jesus was doing was showing us the mission of God embodied, like here's what it looks like to love and to serve and to forgive and to participate in God's kingdom. And then you think about the work of the Holy Spirit, giving the empowerment to the early church and to the church uh, today, giving the empowerment to the mission. So you think, again, God and and God being mission, Jesus embodying that and then the Holy Spirit empowering Mm. that and so our role is to collaborate to participate in the work that God the father and and Jesus and the holy spirit are doing and so that's changed the way i see mission and changed the way i see what it looks like to live missionally um and again there's a lot of nuances in that a lot more to say but that yeah. uh that's how i see mission and missional living now randy
0: we may we may pull on that thread just a little bit and ask a, a little bit more. You know, there are some people listening that are entrepreneurs and are or may already own their business and and you said there there's more nuances to that. I, can can you tell us a little bit how would somebody who is trying to think missionally about their business or about this desire to start a business? or business, we don't call it business, um, <laughs> but um, how, how, the, how do they approach things? Like how do they begin to start visioning things? Because what you've said is a, is a framework. It's a, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's a bigger idea. What, what does that look like a little bit practically for these entrepreneurs to be um, thinking missionally in the space and the, uh, that they are in?
2: I think it means starting with with what's in your hand, and, and I'm kind of using that as a reference to Moses. I mean, when Moses is afraid to to follow the call of God, I mean, it's like God saying, "Just start with what's in your hand. What's yeah. that in your hand? Yeah. It's a staff. So start right there. Let's start right there." Moses right. Qu- tries to quickly say, "But I can't speak properly, or I I can't do this," and God's saying, "Let's just start with what you do have and what you can do." And so, to me, it's about stewarding what you have immediately. So everyone has influence in, in some, on some level. Everyone mm-hmm. has something in their hand to start with. So when you move into what that would look like, say, for you know business or whether that be starting a business to working within your business, it's starting with where you are. I think the, the myth sometimes is that one day we'll do something epic or dramatic that will then place us in a category of living missionally but i think this is a call for the immediate and for the mundane and for the day-to-day tasks so part of it's just starting with what you have All right then though the move is to pursue that like so to pursue so you start with what's in your hand but then you you think of like the language that that jesus uses of you know things like a mustard seed yeah. how the kingdom of god is is like a mustard seed or the kingdom of god is like you know, yeast and in, in a woman's hand that's going to, uh, as she's kneading the dough, and it's going to expand. And you think about God's kingdom is dynamic; it's growing; it is doing the impossible. So it starts with surrendering to me what you have in your hand. It starts by stewarding what you've been given, and then seeking to collaborate with God in what may feel like the impossible. So. I'll flesh this out a little bit more. So for me in business, what I've learned is that that is so multifaceted. So what I've described has been kind of as a high level talked about like, okay, hey, we can create profit and we can fund water wells. We can create relational space in our stores, but even that is just kind of the beginning of, of what's possible. Right. So within business, for example, there's a supply chain. There are people that are affected all the way from the the farmer who is growing the the coffee bean, you know, to when it's served across the counter, to when that coffee bean is ground and served in a cup. So there's a process within business where people are impacted um, all the way through, again, from the farmer to the cup. And so part of it is looking at, okay, what processes do I have influence over? And how can we create healthy relationships. And part of that in business is it's is rethinking economics a little bit and saying, we want to operate with an economics of mutuality. So traditional business is going to say, well, you've got to get the best deal, which means you might need to take advantage of a situation or a person, but a kingdom mindset says, well, we know we have to be sustainable and, and make a profit in this business, but we're not going to do that at the expense of anyone. Uh, We're going to seek to steward our relationships in a way that blesses lives. So an example of that, when we would say work with a a coffee farmer, we're going to sit down and and direct trade, negotiate. Uh, One of our coffee farmers for the well is in uh, Santa Rosa de Copan, Honduras. And we're working uh, with Eddie Sarmiento directly to say, Eddie, what's a fair wage for you? And how can we make this a, a mutually beneficial relationship? Right. So you think about that's just again one example uh, within the coffee world, but then you think about how you treat your customers, how you treat your employees, how you treat your community, what you do with your profit, and so in the business world, you know that's there's a lot of opportunities. But in other um, other jobs or vocations, there's all kinds of opportunities as well. So it starts by looking at what's in your hand, what you have, and then trying to figure out again, how could God do the impossible through these opportunities that I have? And so I think it's a day-to-day journey looking at what's around you and not being afraid, as you've already said, Doug, to step into or to run into what God's inviting you into in your world. Um, I mean, it's God's world, but in your sphere of influence. And so looking at that sphere of like, who are the people I may uh, influence day-to-day, What can I do with that? How can I love them? And I think, again, the temptation is to quickly turn toward the dramatic and think, how can I do this on some kind of epic level? But I think the invitation is into the possibly what feels like the mundane. How How do I just go to work tomorrow and have a great attitude that allows people to see what Jesus looks like by the way I treat them, by the way I do my job? Obviously, by the way, I'm ethical. Um, by the way that I um, go about my day to day business, those are things that oftentimes are forgotten that are so important as our, as the way we reflect Jesus back out into the world, just in the day to day mundane tasks. So it's, it's not as maybe difficult as we made it out to be. Mission is is starting right with where we are and loving people in our sphere of influence.
1: Okay, this this is not on the script so i'm going to take a <laughs> i'm going back to your you know the conversation rob about missional if there's if there's somebody out there listening today and they're saying you know we're talking about looking for what god joining what god is already doing and they're thinking well there's wars going on you know there's the shooting in texas you know a horrible thing that happened there I, I i it's hard for me to see what god is what god is doing in our world how do i how, how can i how can I be more open to that? And how do you, how do you look at those things and say, okay, is, is God moving? And, and, and how can I be a part of, of a part of being a part of that move toward making things the way he initially wanted them to be in the beginning?
2: Yeah, I think sometimes, I think it's a great question because to be fair, sometimes we don't easily see what God is doing. Yes. Um, yeah. And, and, I think I think we even should start there and say, "Wow, have I? Um, if I, as a Christian, sometimes struggle with seeing what God is doing, imagine how hard it may be for other people to see what God is doing." Yeah, yeah. And so I think part of what we do is we really look at the ways in which God works and try to highlight and point out to people that here is here is how here's how God is reconciling the world here are some things that God is doing. So part of, to me, our job in mission is to be keen observers of what God is doing in the world. Mm. And again, sometimes it's a little harder to see, but we, we're we people who bear, as image bearers of God, we bear hope. Like we we are living testimonies of, of hope in the world. And so we may be this yeah. alternative voice in a world that's so doom and gloom as far as the way we process things. And yeah, there are some incredibly difficult things. I mean, I've I got very emotional again this morning, just thinking about the the shooting that we all just uh, watched unfold and um, mm-hmm. it's heartbreaking and it's tragic. And, and in no way do we ever want to minimize what took place. But we try to look at that through the lens of hope and to say, wow, where was their hope? Where is their hope in the midst of these tragedies? and i think part of it is being these uh witnesses to hope and trying to show people uh point people toward this god who is present even in the midst of tragedy mm-hmm. so i, I kind of think the work of a missiologist if you will is mm-hmm. to is to try to you know it may sound a little too academic to say but try to study and to look at even through the narrative of scripture how has god worked through unbelievable tragedies how has god worked through pain and agony and brokenness and how is he working in the world today that way and i think our goal is to try to point to those things i think we have to be careful not to bury our heads in the sand and try to you know we, the last thing we want to do is to is to say things to people like it's all going to be okay you know we're all we're all going to heaven one day we're all this or that i think we have to be very strategic and thoughtful about how we point toward that hope, Um, because I think people have grown jaded to some of the language that we use, so I think we, as these image and hope bearers of Christ, I think we, part of the work of mission is, is getting creative and strategic about the way we point to that hope, and for me, Randy, what that means oftentimes is trying to be the hands and feet of Jesus in the midst of those things that mm-hmm. just sometimes looks as tangible as possible so maybe yeah. it looks like you know giving and sacrificing and and um collecting things and and coming alongside that tragedy and pain as the hands and feet of Christ as best we can mm-hmm. um even if we don't have the words sometimes it's in the actions of our love and service that people see uh, that hope of Christ that we're talking about.
0: Yeah. I, you know, it was interesting when, when you were talking about work and then even as you moved into this conversation, um, John Mark Comer's book, uh, garden city. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read that, but it, you know, referencing the, how we're the return to Eden is like, we're called to be workers. Mm-hmm. We're, we're called to go out and work and that'd be the, that'd be our mission. Like, and, and to let, you know, we're joining God where he is, he's already there. We're just walking mm-hmm. alongside of him in that process. And, and including in all these places where there feels like there's no hope, we're just walking alongside of people and let God do what he does. And, uh, um, yeah,
2: I, I really love that book. And I've actually used that book in a, as a required text in one of the classes yeah. that I teach here at Lipscomb. And mm-hmm. I think the, the helpful, uh, thing that you're pointing to there is again, that, that God is reconciling the world back to what he started with. And while there's tremendous tragedy and pain unfolding all around us, God is working and he is restoring and and helping, uh, giving us all kinds of opportunities to join him in that mission. But it doesn't mean that he's, you know, taking away the pain. We still live in the midst of a fallen world. We still live in between the tree of life and the garden of Eden in Genesis and the the tree of life that is to come and you know that we see described by john in revelation at the very end and so we still live in between it um and i think our our role is to you know jesus talks about how we're uh, he's the vine and we're the branches so we're, we're still connected in a sense to the to the garden experience mm-hmm. but it's this already but not not yet kind of feeling there's still a we're still in a world of tension and tragedy and god is still working uh, in the midst of all of that. But I think our role as, as fruit bearers, if you will, is being, you know, collaborating with, you know, this, this idea of producing fruit, the fruit of the spirit of the spirit, producing fruit in us. That's one of the ways that I think we're participating is that we are, um, people who are bearing fruit, uh, the spirit is bearing fruit through us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so th- there's probably several listening there. They're wanting to engage this way, and I'm sure there would be some questions. If there were people out there that say, hey, we'd love, to, we'd love to reach out to, to Rob. We'd love to hear or talk to him. If Is, is there a way if, if somebody hears this and says, hey, I'd, I'd love to know a little bit more. I get stuck in this thought. Is there some way that people could reach out to you? Or if they're interested in the idea of the well and, and that process, uh, is there some way that people could reach out to you?
2: Absolutely. Feel free uh, to email me at robtouchstone at gmail.com. I would be more than happy to engage with anybody that would like to talk more or to maybe think a little more of how their work matters. Uh, One of the things I'm doing or about to start doing in my new role at Lipscomb is to help students think about their vocation and to think about what that'll mean for their career choices and how they can go and be living on mission through whatever career that they are being called into and so i find that's not just a question that college students have but that people all throughout their life have so if i can offer any words or source of encouragement anybody that might be listening that is looking for maybe some encouragement about their direction in life um, as they pursue new things or some thoughts about what it looks like to pursue through entrepreneurship or business i'd be more than happy to to engage
1: Rob, it's always, I mean, every time I talk to you, I come away encouraged. I just, it's just, you, you've you got, um, I think that's God's spirit, you know, working through you. Uh, I appreciate all you're doing through the well and through uh, Lipscomb and just living your life on mission uh, as a father and a husband. Um, and I, I thank so much for this time together today. really, really appreciate it a lot.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I, I appreciate it, Rob. I appreciate what you're doing. I, it's a... Uh, it's it's it. We don't thank people enough for allowing allowing God to move in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I want to thank you for allowing God to move in you Amen. and stepping out in that faith, even though, you know, I, I I like when people get scared because there's no fear in God, and that means that as we step into that fear, it starts to dissipate and go away, um, like you talked about earlier. And that's because as you move toward God, that fear is less and less, because there's nothing there to to take hold of. And um, I, we just want to thank you for joining us today yeah. and being a part of this.
2: Well, thank thank you guys so much. I appreciate you both. I'm glad to call you friends, and and really appreciate the great work that that you both are doing. So thank you so much for having me.
0: Well, let me. Uh, I, I want to pray over you. Pray over your family, and uh, and we'll wrap this thing up. God, we just come to you. Uh, Father, we we are honored uh, that you allow us to be a part of anything you're doing and that you invite us into that and that you continue to invite us into that. Um, Father, we, there are people listening to this that think, I don't have any ability to do anything. And I know you're just trying to holler at them and, um, and say, well, you're the one I want. You're the one that makes the difference. Uh, so, Father, I pray that... Uh, uh, that as as Rob did, that we step out in faith, as he followed your lead, and stepping out in faith and, and bringing his family along. Father, we pray for a special blessing over over Rob and Amy and his children, as as they they grow up and they move in life. Father, we pray that you put your hedge of protection around those children and around this this family. Uh, Father, I pray that you continue to use. Uh, this man to be a light in people's Mm -hmm. life uh, as he follows your lead. Uh, Thank you for today, and Father, we do love you. It's through Jesus we pray. Amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Thanks again, Rob. Thank you. For joining us. We appreciate your comments and feedback on Unbroken Jars podcast, and please understand that our goal is always to honor God by the experiences of real-life stories and real faith that you hear on this podcast. May God bless your life as you live out your story of real faith in your own settings.